You're listening to the Truth and Boots podcast. Join me as we search the Bible for truth about our God, for hope to encourage us through hard trials and struggles, and for answers for anyone who questions our faith. The truth of God's Word is not fragile, impractical, and only used on special occasions like a pair of stiletto heels. God's Word, like a pair of sturdy boots, is meant to be put to work daily and is designed to protect us and help us through the mud, streams, and rocks of life. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. I hope this series that we're going through has been a huge encouragement to you thus far. I know personally as I study for each episode and seek to understand my God and then meditate on exactly what that means for my salvation, I have had a huge impact on my own life. Seeing myself as God sees me and God as I'm supposed to see Him. I've was just this morning thinking, oh, wow, I'm, I'm saying all this, but do I really live like I believe it? So it, it was challenging to me to think I, I need to start making sure that each and every day my actions are in alignment with what I claim I believe. So I hope that as we continue that you'll be able to take some of these truths and apply them to your own lives and have that change how you live each day. Today we're embarking on the impressive topic of God's omniscience. Now I'm going to bring that down to English. God is all-knowing. I couldn't figure out how to put that in the title, God's all-knowingness of my salvation, so I had to go with the Um, theological term, omniscience. Um, It basically means God knows everything. He knows everything going forward in the future. He knows everything from the past. He knows everything that you are thinking right now. Um, And it kind of was boggling my mind a bit as I was meditating on just how much God knows. So, I hope to be able to boggle your minds too so that you can see just how little you know compared to your God. So let's, as we always do, take a look at the doctrine first. Um, God does know everything, and the Bible teaches this from the beginning to the end. Um, So just a few verses to start off with. Genesis 6-5 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God looked down from heaven and saw into each man's heart what he was thinking, his intentions, his desires, and so he decided to judge the world with the flood. And then in Job twenty-eight twenty-four, Job says, For he looks the, to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. There's nothing hidden from God's sight. In Psalms 139, verses 1 through 4, you probably know this one very well. It's the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. We can't hide anything from God. He knows everything, even a word before we think to say it. 
And as with these other attributes we've been studying, you can understand God's omniscience so much fuller if you consider them in light of his attributes as a whole. For example, God's knowledge and understanding are holy. Last episode, we were talking about how holiness means he is high and lifted up, set apart, totally separate and beyond our, our understanding or reach. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You may think you know what's good for you, what you want to do with your life, but God's plans are so much higher, so much better than yours, because he is holy. Or what about how his omniscience applies to his sovereignty? So God knows the future. It's because of his knowing the future that he is able to be sovereign because he, he can accomplish his purpose. So he wants to someday in the future have this particular event take place. But to do that, he knows all these things leading up to it have to happen. So he exercises his sovereignty and, it, and his authority and uses his all-knowing nature to accomplish his purpose. It all works hand in hand. Consider Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsels shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. Because God knows exactly what needs to happen in the future, he can accomplish his purpose. Or what about his power? God needed unlimited knowledge when he created this universe with his unlimited power. Psalm 147, 4-5 says, He determined the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. So that psalm is tying the two together there. So just think about this for a second. God created everything. That means he had to design gravity. He had to design time. He had to design the concept of space. He had to design your bodies and the cells all working together and the brain synapses firing using electricity, which was another thing he had to design. And then down at the very atomic level, scientists are still baffled with how our atoms work. And God designed that too. So he had to have this unlimited knowledge in order to put together this universe. And he relied upon his power and his knowledge in order to do so. So I challenge you to go through other attributes. It's, it's just so humbling and challenging that as you sit there and meditate how everything is intertwined together, you have to realize that if you undermine God in one area of his, of his essence, then you undermine everything. So be careful as you teach your scriptures. Make sure you know exactly who your God is. Otherwise, you will be limiting him and not teaching exactly who he is.
Okay, so we've seen that God is all-knowing. We have seen the scriptures. We've seen everything that implies. So a thinking person might stop and say, if God knows everything, why did he create the world when he knew we would sin? I had this question from a, um, a kid once, and I was teaching Sunday school, and he asked this. And I realized it is one of those questions that can cause non-believers to think we are, we are ludicrous, that Christianity just makes absolutely no sense. But that kind of thinking is because they don't understand their God truly. So let me walk you through what the Bible does teach. I won't be able to answer this question fully because obviously I do not know the mind of God. But I can tell you what the Bible says. So first, we know that we were created to bring glory to God. Isaiah 43, 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So God created everyone to bring glory to him, to bring honor, to bring praise to him. You see this a bit further in Psalm 19, 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And then even in Genesis 1, God is saying that the creation is good. And of course, since it's good, it does bring him praise and glory. And the psalmists are full of praising God for his marvelous creation. So God created us so that he would get glory, he would get praise. And we bring him praise and glory by being appropriate image bearers. God created us in his image. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we bring glory when we reflect the image of God accurately. We obey his commandments, obey him, and act as would bring honor to him. And that right there is the key. The next step. God gave us a choice to obey him or not. He told Adam and Eve to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, lest they die. He is sovereign. He could have said, these people will obey me no matter what. But no, he decided to give them a choice. Um, and that was what caused the first human sin. They chose not to obey, and they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We do have a choice to serve God or not. And Joshua twenty four fifteen says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the God your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So you have a choice to serve God or not. So I know those two things. We were created to bring God glory. But God gave us a choice to obey him or not, which is why we have sin. Because sin is disobedience to God, disobedience to God's will, his commands. So putting those two thoughts together and remembering what I read before in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are ways, my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
we can't fully understand the mind of God, but we know these two things that he's told us. We were created for his glory. He gave us a choice, which is why we have sin. But that means somehow God must get glory by saving me from my sins. So how can I say that? Because before he created the universe, it was God's plan to save you and me. Remember, he knows everything. He knew we would sin. So Acts 2.23 says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Peter is there defending the faith in front of Jerusalem. And he says, God knew this before the beginning of the world, before the beginning of time. His plan was to save you. His plan was that Jesus would die on the cross. And it makes no sense to us as humans that someone would intentionally choose to do something that would cause them great pain. I mean, if you knew you would get stung by grabbing a wasp, why would you choose to grab it? And that is because of the context of God's love. We don't understand his love. The Bible says that he loved us before he made us. So think back to that wasp. Why would you choose to grab a wasp and hold it in your hand if you knew it would sting you over and over and over again? Because you are a parent driving along the road in a car and in the back seat, there is a child screaming to the top of his lungs, there's a wasp in the car, there's a wasp in the car. So you reach behind you with one hand while still driving and having the other hand in the wheel. You reach behind, grab that wasp really fast before it can sting your kid. That is an example, an illustration of God's love for you. He's willing to endure the pain because he chose to love you. He chose to sacrifice himself on the cross because he loves you. It, it is just still boggles my mind. God knew everything about me. He knew every pain I would inflict on him through my sin. Because I grieve the spirit every single day. But yet, he still chose to love me in spite of all that because of who he is. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's a glimpse of the upcoming episode on God's love and our salvation. And also, that's a glimpse of my next point. Let's put this truth into boots. Let's get practical with how God's all-knowing um, nature applies to our daily lives. So I told you, God knows everything about you, and he still chose before time began to love you. That means anything you do will not affect his love for you because he knew it all ahead of time. Well, what about the second point? When you go to pray to God, he already knows everything about you, everything you're going to think before you even say the word. So when you confess your sins to God, you're not telling him something new. So be brutally honest. Follow the pattern of the psalmist of Job and others in the Bible who, when they speak to God, they tell him exactly what they are thinking and feeling because God already knows it. I mean, you, you can't shock him. You can't surprise him with anything you say. 
if you know your desires are not what they should be, tell him. He already knows. This morning, I, just to be completely honest, was having to pray to God, Lord, I know this desire is not yours. It's not honoring to you. I don't want it, but yet I do. So, Lord, help me. Give me your power. I know you can change this desire like you changed Pharaoh's heart. Pray to God like that. He already knows your desires. So tell him that they're wrong and that you want them to change. What about if you feel angry at him? Don't shut down and not pray to him. Tell God you're angry. Yes, I said that. Tell God you're angry. If you have doubts about your faith, tell him. He already knows you have doubts. Go back to the Psalms, like I said. David has doubts that God's not listening to him. David doubts that God loves him. But he doesn't stop there. While he's praying to God, writing these Psalms, he says what he's thinking and feeling, but then he goes back to what he knows is true from God's law. So do that. Pray. Be honest. It will revolutionize your prayer life. If you don't approach God as a stranger, as as if you're going to someone in court, God already knows, and he wants to help you. He desires to help you. He has sacrificed himself so that he can help you. He wants to give you these good gifts, but he can't unless you admit you need his help in the first place. So be brutally honest. God already knows. Okay, so God knows everything about you. He still chose from before time began to save you in spite of what he knew about you because he loves you he chose to love you secondly when you confess your sins to god you're not telling him something new so be brutally honest he already knows that you can't surprise him nothing you have done or ever will do will disqualify you from god's love he's known it since time began before time began and he chose to include you in his plan of salvation. So finally, God knows the future. Remember, God is omniscient and he's sovereign. He doesn't make mistakes. He knows the future. He designed the future. And before he ever created you, before he ever created the universe, his plan from the beginning was that you would get to spend eternally with him if you have been cleansed from your sins through Christ's free gift of salvation. Revelation 21 verses 3 through 4 shows you this amazing future that God had chosen since before he created the world. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. That is a glimpse of the omniscient, 
all-knowing God's plan that he will bring about and that he has had for you since the beginning of time. Come back with me next week and we'll continue this journey to know our God, to study who he is and then apply that to the reality of our salvation. Before we go this week, I would like to ask a favor of you. If you have not subscribed, definitely go out there and subscribe via iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, But secondly, go and leave a review on those platforms because of the algorithms and everything and how technology works. Leaving a review will enable this podcast to be able to get to more women. So if they search um, Christian Women Podcast, this will be more likely to show up in the search results if you leave a review. Besides, I also want to get your feedback and um, input on your ideas and thoughts of this podcast. If there is a particular topic you want me to cover, go to truthandboots.com and hit contact. Send me an email. And I will definitely take into consideration your topic suggestions for the future. One more thing before I go. Last episode, I asked you to do some homework, to write out a list of 50 specific sins that you've committed. So how's that list going? I'm still working on mine. It's okay if you're still working on yours or even if you haven't started it yet, but I encourage you to write out those 50 sins. And I highly encourage you to do this because it's important that you have the correct picture of yourself as we go into the next couple episodes. So keep working on it over the next week two. We're all home right now if you're listening to this in April, May 2020. Um... So you should be able to find maybe 10 minutes a day to do this. And I will catch you next week. 